Hey, everybody. Think about the term U.S. history, right? Now, depending on your teacher in school years ago, that's going to determine how loudly you shout the word boring. But it doesn't have to be. We're talking with a Harley-riding historian after the news on The Matt Townsend Show. Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. President Barack Obama is touring the damage caused by Hurricane Sandy in New York and consoling the victims of those whose lives are still in turmoil. The president walked through the heavily devastated regions of Staten Island, meeting with people still trying to rebuild their lives. Sandy hit the U.S. over 17 days ago, causing billions of damages and killing over 120 people. This is the first trip the president has taken to New York since the storm, though he was able to visit portions of nearby New Jersey prior to the November 6th election. The overall estimated cost so far for the cleanup and repair after Sandy has now reached over $50 billion. After causing the worst environmental disaster in U.S. history, the punishment for BP's 2010 Gulf Coast oil spill has finally been decided. $4.5 billion in fines and penalties. The company pled guilty to over 11 charges, including attempting to lie to Congress about the size of the spill. Two BP employees are also facing manslaughter charges for the 11 men killed in the initial explosion. The previous largest corporate fine paid to the U.S. government was $1.3 billion from Pfizer for marketing, a marketing fraud attempt related to a pain medication. Hamas operatives in Gaza continued to fire rockets into Israel today, killing three and wounding three more. The deaths are the first Israel has suffered since an offensive killed the top Hamas commander in Gaza yesterday. The precise airstrike which killed the Hamas leader also killed 11 other Palestinians, including some children, prompting an even stronger rocket barrage from militants in the region. Over 130 rockets have already been fired into Israel since the strike yesterday, They even landed near Tel Aviv for the first time in over 20 years. Attacks are now escalating on both sides as Israeli warplanes responded with a second day of airstrikes on militant targets in the Gaza Strip. Speaking publicly for the first time since stepping down as the CIA director over an exposed sex scandal, General David Petraeus says that his mistress was not given any access to classified documents. The general is also restating that he resigned his post entirely based on the affair he was having and not because of anything regarding his role in the response to the attack on the U.S. Embassy in Benghazi, Libya. Despite Petraeus' stance that nothing classified was revealed, the FBI investigation did discover a significant amount of sensitive information on a computer used by the woman, so some questions still remains. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. We're doing what we can on this program every day of the week. Practically, it feels like to help you and your loved ones grow healthier, happier lives, to help you see the good in the world, and uh, which is, of course, the goal of BYU Radio and BYU Broadcasting. So today is going to be a day of BYU Broadcasting 
Not only are we bringing you the Matt Townsend Show, but we have got a guest with us from one of the, uh, I think, most popular shows on BYU television. Uh, I'm not going to give you too many details, but let's just say it's called American Ride. That's the name of the show. That's all the details I'm giving you. And then I'm not going to tell you, but it is the host, Stan. Stan is going to be with us. Stan Ellsworth is the Harley-riding historian that uh, is known on BYU Broadcasting. You've probably seen a picture of him uh, driving his Harley and then talking about the history and locations of our great history in America. We've got him here, and he's here with his lovely wife, Stacy, and we're going to be picking his brain to figure out why isn't uh, why do we not find American history as exciting as it needs to be? And um, we're going to get into that. But before we do, we're going to do a little human news for you, trying to give you some ideas, some tools. Again, your life doesn't necessarily come with a uh, a what's it called, like a user's guide, a book to guide you through life. So instead, we're going to bring you the latest news and headlines about humans and uh, life and see if we can't give you some ideas there. Anybody got some fun news for us? Yes. Skyboy has I news. My, did my research. What happened, Sky? Did somebody just hand that to you? Um, no, I, I came across it last night, and I thought it was really cool. Oh, my so. heavens. Research. Okay. Okay, this guy, his name is Stig Severinsen, I think is Stig. how you pronounce it. Stig. That's a manly name. Stig. Um, he held his breath the other day for 22 minutes underwater. <laughs> was he like 12? No, he's... This is like his he, job. Is he's he going like, for a world record? Yeah, he's so a professional. He, he be, he hold be, your breath. He does. Person? He studies breathology or something like that. Oh, that sounds cool. And he wrote a book that talks about the methods of breath hold and their effects on the mind and body. So it's a good thing. I guess. Well, he's breaking world records. Okay. Is he making any money at this? I don't know. Probably. Does he wrote he, a book. He, I bet he like sells breath mints. But the, I don't think that's the The same. last time I checked, though, not breathing was a little unhealthy. I've heard people have died from it. Yeah, they have. Just anyway, his his first record, he he beat his own record. His previous record was twenty minutes and ten seconds, and Sheesh. this time he beat his record and held it for twenty two minutes. Um, before he goes under, though, he inhales pure oxygen to saturate his body with oxygen. So, okay, so he's kind of cheating, cheating a little bit, but still. It's well, impressive. okay, you know the sad thing about that is, let's just say he failed. No one would know for about twenty three minutes. <laughs> No one well, would know. As they you can see think, in Look the at picture, him go. He's doing great. There's a guy who like stands next, right next to him and uh-huh. like, can somehow tell if he's breathing. He like I watched the video, not all 22 minutes, but like he had his hand like on the back of his... Like as you'd feel a pulse. You I know? thought the point was he wasn't breathing. How would he tell? Don't ask questions. Oh, I guess, yeah, that makes sense. But, so he, probably, he probably feels his pulse. Yeah, I guess it's his pulse. I don't know. Wow, that's good news. Isn't that, that is funny? Just something as simple as holding your breath, which I tried to do as a child to make my mom think I was dead. And you know what? I think I lasted 30 seconds. So it doesn't work. It's a good good record. Close wow. To, that's yeah. good. Way to research. Thank you. Carl, I know. I'm on top of things. Anybody else got some fun news? Here's a fun Tyler, one. Tyler! Or should I call you intern Dave? Whatever you want. I'll respond <laughs> to both. Go ahead, Gus. Uh, <laughs> so out of curiosity... If, let's say you're in like a, a grocery store and you're shopping for cheese yes. and you want some good cheese. Yes. How much would you pay for a pound of cheese? Mm. And it's good cheese. Is it melted just... on anything? No. No, no. Just like a block. Dollar ninety nine a pound. Oh, no. Blue so cheese. I don't buy a lot of I'd cheese. go higher. I'd go $10 a pound. <laughs> Big spender. $10. Do we have a 15 anywhere? You know, if it's really good, I would not mind $15. But I really like cheese. You are a cheese a pound. That's a lot. 
But I how feel about ripped off at three ninety eight? Well, if you feel ripped off at three ninety eight, how about five hundred and seventy six dollars oh, a pound? Man, smokes. So there's this place in Serbia called uh, Zasavica Ooh. Nature Reserve, and it's the only place in the world where they milk donkeys. So this is Ooh. donkey cheese. Oh, oh no! Now before no before oh. before you get all disgusted, apparently I hate donkey cheese. Donkey cheese has sixty times the vitamin C of its bovine counterpart. You know what? It's from a donkey. <laughs> I don't like the food. I don't uh. like the prices. Yeah, no, this is not going. Ooh, the five hundred and something dollars. You know what? I bet I could find something to do with that money. Not donkey cheese. Unless it's string donkey cheese. That's a whole other game. <laughs> now then, right. I, play. I can take that anywhere. Then you can play with your donkey cheese. <laughs> Holy cow. Wow, Ty. Okay, so, boy, that's weird. Donkey cheese. I Just milking a donkey seems really hard. <laughs> Aren't they like Henri and don't they? That's a mule. Donkeys. Which is half donkey. Half donkey, half horse. Yeah, right? right? Is that? I don't know. I don't know animals. Uh, yeah, okay, wow. Good. Anybody else got news? I most certainly do, Matt. You know how the world's ending in about a month? Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. It is. 2012. <sighs> you know that? Okay. I just renewed my insurance. That's a mistake. Silly mistake. Duh! So have you heard of the, the I don't know what to call it, Planet X? The planet that's supposed to... Is that where the X-Men come from? Uh, unfortunately, no, because that would be fantastic. <laughs> but this is, an- this, this is th- another planet. This Planet X is supposed to swing into the solar system and throw off all the gravity, and the Earth's supposed to hurtle into the center of the... G- I don't know. It makes everyone who knows science kind of cry a little when people really? talk about it. But this might be true. Because uh, the problem with Planet X is... Planets have orbits, and they have, make sense, and they do things like in patterns. Planets don't suddenly be like, surprise, I'm here in your system. No, but we found an orphaned planet, which is probably the saddest name oh, for a planet. I'm sad for that orphan planet. I call it Oliver. It's an orphan. <laughs> Oliver but, the orphan. But there's this big planet. It's what? what? Does he have a crutch? Uh, no. I just think of orphans as like a little wounded... <laughs> With a bad leg. One eye's bigger than the other. Yes. Like, just having issues. I was sitting Comes out with a little heat. can. Please, sir, may I have some more? <laughs> right. May I have some more donkey cheese? So they spotted this planet that's just floating on its own. <sighs> Floaters. Hate and it's kind of weird because we've never seen that. Where is it floating? Um, it's in the Orion Nebula. Oh, that sounds far away. Yeah, it's 100 light years, so we're good. Yeah. And also it's rotating for around. For the moment. For now. For now. No, it's, it's going around the galaxy at the normal speed. And so we know where it is. We know where it's going to be. But it is all alone. It doesn't have its own star to orbit. Is, does it seem sad? I'm sure it's cold and sad and alone. And it wants friends. Yes. It's just dark. And it's, it's also called homeless. Oh, uh, homeless. Thing to call it. A homeless planet. Call it poor planet. Oh, well, that's kind of a downer. I've got a bigger downer. What if you were run over by a car because you didn't vote? And what if your wife was driving the car? <laughs> oh, I heard about this. True story in Gilbert, Arizona. Police in Arizona say a Mesa woman injured her husband by running over him with an SUV because he didn't vote in last week's presidential election. Okay? I, I have the suspicion there's a lot more to this no, story. No, no, it's all about politics. Uh, authorities say 28-year-old Holly Solomon opposed President Barack Obama and was upset that her husband didn't go to the polls. 
Gilbert spokesman Sergeant Jesse Sanger said Holly Solomon started arguing with her husband because she believed her family was going to face hardship as a result of the Obama election. Anybody explain the Electoral College and how it works to her? No, that's not – that was not important. She knew – and Arizona, yeah, like the vote would matter in Arizona because it didn't go Republican anyway. So um, I think they're still counting the votes there, though. Oh, are they? So they still could swing it. Well, no, but no, no. wouldn't that be ironic? <laughs> they lost by one. Um, but what she did is she chased him down. She cornered the poor guy, 36-year-old Daniel Solomon, in a parking lot as he was hiding behind a light pole. And she circled the light pole uh, until eventually she struck him and pinned him under the vehicle. Like wolves around an injured lamb. That's right. That's what it sounds like. Can you believe this? And Solomon told the police, I was just trying to scare him. And accidentally stepped on the accelerator. Mm. The old accidentally stepped yes. on the accelerator. No. Yes. And her husband, sadly, is in critical condition. <sighs> Politics. It'll kill you. But, but seriously, though. Really? You know, we, I, we don't stu- – the trouble is when we get mad at somebody and we do these dumb things, we were dumb because we were mad. Yeah. Like, and it's part of the brain switches off. Yeah, that's a big thing I've been teaching my clients lately. Is that uh, just because you feel mad doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> the problem is, the more mad you feel, the more right it feels. So the more we just keep chasing it, and the more we just keep chasing it and chasing it, and then that is, I think, what creates five hundred and fifty dollar donkey cheese. Well, and somebody feels like that's a good idea, the, and then they do it. The bright side of the story is, you know, it, he's covered by. Obamacare. So, you know, <laughs> that's the ironic part. That's actually very true. Whoa, Skyboy is on today. Um, I, I mean, it's sad. It, to me, that is, that's like, you know, everybody out there in listener land, you don't have to just chase just because you're feeling it, right? There's well, no lesson for that. I have a solution. And it actually goes along with my news. You could eat instead. Right? I totally agree. I'm on board. <laughs> well, actually, they're doing um, a study was conducted, and it turns out Americans um, waste about 20 pounds of food every month. We do every individual for each of us waste Who's about 20 food? pounds of food per month. Can you imagine? I think our ki- our family doesn't waste much because we have everything that's in our cupboards are empty. <laughs> every my kids will eat the chips ahoy. They'll be gone, but they'll leave the you know, the wrapper. Well, I guess part Maybe of the issue our is our dinner plates have gotten 36% bigger since 1960. Oh. Now, wait a minute. I never waste food that's on my plate. Well, what makes li- plate? Well, worst comes to worst, you just put it in a bag and eat it for lunch tomorrow. What I waste is when I end up with something like a bell pepper. So I come home, I have no food in the entire house. Why would you have a bell but pepper? I have a, well, I was going to chop it up and put it in some food, but I don't have any other food, and yeah. so I think, ah, I'll just go out to Peanut eat. Butter. And then I end up throwing away the bell pepper, which is a waste of a perfectly That's, good bell pepper, mm-hmm. but you know, when you have vanilla ice cream and a bell pepper, I'm certainly not going to put those two together. But you know what we do need to ask is who's making our plates bigger? Somebody's making our plates bigger. Consumer it's the demand, Matt. Yeah. So you're thinking Your it's eyes. the market economy that's driving the bigger plates, or is there a plate maker that's driving the economy? Is the dog wagging the tail or is the tail wagging the dog? No, I think Americans, we just demand bigger is better. I want a big plate. (laughs) How am I supposed to fit my entire rotisserie chicken on that little We're so lazy. We can't go back for a second. I just want a big, big, big plate. I don't want to get up five times. I just want to get up three times. Oh, my heavens. It's all about efficiency. I'm proud to be an American. We need that song. If we ever needed that song played, we need it right now. It really was today. to be an American. 
where at least our plates are huge. I'm going to cry. I don't think that's how the song goes, though. I think it's a different song. Well, so that's the news, is that our plates are getting bigger, and we're wasting how much? Uh, 20 pounds per month. Wow. And by the way, who's weighing our waste? I don't know, but I feel bad. That would be a terrible job. There's nothing sadder than walking out of a restaurant and seeing the table next to you, and they're clearing away half a steak and a big pile of fries and mashed potatoes. And I almost... Yeah, it's too bad I don't know the people because I knew them. And hey, can I like, take oh, that? Can I, I got box it for that my up dog. to go? I'll, I'll, eat it. I'll eat it tomorrow. But yeah. when it's a stranger, you just, I don't know. Well, plus, like, that's just weird. You don't want to eat off a stranger's plate. Anyway. <laughs> well, if it's a free lunch. Well, and it's no, tough. Rob, what if you're Rob, traveling? Rob, Rob, you don't eat off of Well, that's why you need to know who, who the, the people are. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, you've never boxed. You've never been sitting at a table with other friends and then they have food left over and you're like, hey, do you mind if I box up your uh, fries? Never. I thought that was cricket. So I thought that was socially acceptable. Rob, I'm on board. Anytime I go out with people, they just all give it to me afterwards, and I finish it right there. Do you even know if it's like been on the floor? No, I'm just kind of like a garbage disposal. It doesn't matter. Well, no, I mean you watch. I saw the meal arrive. I saw them order it. I saw the meat part of it. I saw you know. We know enough. You know. Wow. They washed their hands before they sat down at the table. We hope. I think so I'm it's... understanding more and more about you guys. <laughs> well, how are we supposed to cut down on this 20 pounds of food that's wasted each month? Smaller plates. If if I, you know. Well, a lot of it is the restaurants. Um, restaurants waste about 17% of their food now because they do have bigger plates. People aren't taking the food home necessarily because they have food at home. Yeah. So they just let the restaurant get rid of it. Well, that's why, Rob, you just Box the food go up with... and give it to me. Seriously, I'll eat it for lunch. <laughs> well, I think... He will. I've seen him do it. <laughs> I've seen him take it out of somebody's tray, off somebody's tray right before they threw it away. Have I done that here? <laughs> I've done it. I don't think it's a problem unless the Waste police are called. Not, want not. It used to be old, like our grandparents and great-grandparents used to say that, but they were on to something. They were. Yeah, but it's just creepy. Makes you think for Thanksgiving. What are you going to do with all that oh, extra I'm, there food? There will be no waste on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Okay, guys, we have we have uh, Stan coming on, and Stan is uh, the you you all know him. We just met him. By the way, he he is he's big and strong. He reminds me of me when I was younger. Why are you laughing, Rob? Because you probably shrunk. I did. I shrunk because I'm only I got a smaller plate. We're bringing him back, and when we come back, we're going to be talking history. Do you love it, or do you not so much? And uh, we're going to give you a lot of tools and ideas to fall back in love with. Your history and American history right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The fastest camera you've ever heard of takes a trillion frames per second. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. You've seen high-speed camera footage of water drops frozen in time using strobe lights. What about light itself? If you could stop light in mid-flight, what sort of new things could you learn from it? That's what a team from MIT's Media Lab set out to do. Their camera simulates taking pictures of light itself, of photons behaving like waves. The camera pulses laser light at a target scene, and reflected photons return through an electric field. How much each photon's energy was altered is recorded in the camera sensor as a streak in slices. Stacking a trillion such slices together creates a one-second animated movie that appears to show a light wave traveling in slow motion and how it's reflected or absorbed by various objects. 
The Media Lab thinks data from this experiment can create a new way of computer modeling lights for conventional photography, and it may also have potential applications in medical imaging as a sort of ultrasound scan. But done with light, that could take images as sharp as x-rays without using harmful radiation. Sounds like a bright idea. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Let's be honest. Sometimes it's just better to take things slow. So relax and enjoy the in-depth interview. Join Dean Duncan weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. On the show today, we are talking about American history. And not, I don't think it's just about American history. I think it's about finding passion in things that you might not be able to historically find passion in. So today, we're going to be talking about American history. We're bringing on our expert, Stan Ellsworth, from American Ride. But before we do, dull facts, names, dates, events, a teacher speaking in monotone voice, these are all the things that you might remember from your high school and college history classes. Well, things haven't changed much since then, except for the Internet. The nice thing about history is that it is always changing. But what doesn't change about it is how it's taught. And I know that that hasn't changed because my parents tell me about their history teachers and their stories are exactly the same as mine. The only thing that has changed is moving from chalkboards to PowerPoint presentations. But the teachers still get up in front of the class and lecture. This system just isn't effective in my opinion. In my former history classes, I've had to take notes on paper, with a pencil, in a notebook. Now, I can just go to my school's webpage, click on my teacher's name, and bam! I have the entire lecture on my computer in the comfort of my apartment. There's no reason to go to class anymore aside from the occasional participation quiz to see if you're actually there. Rather than listen to my professor ramble on about the Shu Dynasty in China for an hour, I can go to Wikipedia and read about it, and then go to YouTube and watch a video documenting the entire thing, all in 20 or 30 minutes. It's just more time effective. It's gotten to the point that anyone can get any information they want simply by opening up to Google. Sure, we need to be careful about what is true and what isn't, but as long as we stay objective, we really can read or watch almost anything in the world. We don't need schools or universities if we're looking for pure information. So how do we keep schools in business? My idea is that teachers just need to change how they teach to keep students interested, because regurgitating facts just isn't good enough anymore. And this isn't just for history, it's for any subject. For example, the website called Khan Academy taught me more about math and politics in 30 minutes than my entire semester of trigonometry and government my senior year in high school. Why? Because it was short, simple, and presented in a fun way. And these days, that's the best way to get students to learn. Well done, Gus. Appreciate that, Tyler. That was really good. Um, 
parents or teachers, did you guys have a teacher that just changed your life that made something as, you know, sometimes monotonous as history come alive? Anybody have a favorite did teacher? I ever. Third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth grade, all the same. You pull out the history textbook, the teacher, womp, 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 That's Charlie Brown's and teacher. You're, you're, yeah, and you're, you're just memorizing facts and dates and people. And maybe once in a while getting a little bit of a story like, you know, Saladin was this guy and he conquered a bunch of stuff. You go, that's nice. Ottoman Empire, who cares? Until 11th grade, I had uh, an advanced placement U.S. history class. Oh, look at you. Whoa. And the teacher, AP. yeah. <laughs> but she just told the thing as this continuous story. It was story. like a, the soap opera of America that started with the Puritans and went all the way to – I think we ended the class with the Clinton administration. But was, we actually went all the way through it. So she paced it very nicely. But she could tell the story, mm. what was going on, what was life like. And it, because it was soap opera style, we had so much fun with it. I wasn't taking notes in class because I needed yeah, to know it from the you test. You were loving I it. Wanted, no, I wanted to go tell people the story. I go, yeah. you're kidding me. Somebody did what? You got to write story. that down. And you write it down. To, to That's cool. Tell, totally turned history What was her down. name so we can give her some um, credit? Melissa Smith. Good job, Melissa. Cypress High School, the west side of Salt Lake County. So. That is honestly, to her. but what a difference that made. The teacher makes a big difference, right? Yeah. When the student is ready, the teacher shall appear. Most of the time, it's the teachers are ready, hoping a student will appear. Yeah, I, I, I never missed class. But you were present, too. Anyone else had a favorite teacher? Teacher that changed their life, a teacher that uh, took them to the next level. BT, Bryce Tobin. I had, okay, I so bet this, it was science. It was, Matt. You're a genius. How did I know? I don't know. It actually was, and it wasn't, it wasn't the story you'd expect. I was a rather poor student. You were? I was. Didn't have a lot of money? Um, no, as in I was awful and I didn't oh. do any work. Okay. Uh, this was when I was a sophomore and I had this one chemistry teacher. I really didn't like chemistry. I still don't really like chemistry Why? that much. It's, I don't like it. It's yeah, not. It's, it's bad. Okay, it's bad. Um, no, chemistry is fine. We need it. Uh, but I was doing something. I was working on a lab thing. For some reason, we were not doing the normal lecture thing. And she just walked up and she grabbed me and she said, if only you used your powers for good instead of evil. And she just walked off. I had no idea what she meant. And her name was Melissa Paul. Oh, my And I want to find her and give her, like, the biggest hug in the world. So she knew you were a superhero. I guess. I don't, like, I mean, I apply myself now, but ever since then, that's, like, scratched in the back of my brain, like... You can be a good student. Quit slacking that off. That is pretty cool. Huh? She changed my life, and I'm bitter about it, but, you know, whatever. I th- I'm proud of it. I like her. What's her name? Melissa Paul. Had a girl, Melissa Paul. Changed a boy's life. Didn't even know it. Now, In college. Who'd have thunk? Who'd have thunk? That's amazing. Okay. We've got a, we've got a teacher that we're bringing on this next break, okay? Stan Ellsworth, he is he's just a stud. He's an NFL player, post-NFL. Uh, and has a family. I believe he has six children, parent of six children. He likes weight training, outdoor sports, but he hosts a show on BYU TV called American Ride. The man drives a Harley, rides his Harley all over America, shows up, and all of a sudden he'll arrive at a historic site, and then he'll tell the story about the history. So we're bringing on Stan to help him underst- help us understand how to find history exciting again. Interesting thing about Stan, he has degrees in psychology and history, and um, he's able to get his passion out. So 
Stand by. Are you ready? Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back from this break, we're going to have a little news from Sam McCall. And after that, uh, we're going to come back with Stan Ellsworth and get into history, figure out how to find passion and excitement in something, you know, potentially mundane like history. You listen to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 uh, BYU Radio. Have your team join ours and become a sponsor of Cougar Sports on BYU Radio and BYU TV. For details, call 801-422-1448 or email corporate support at byu.edu. Go Cougars! Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. With measures on marijuana legalization passing in both Colorado and Washington, President Obama's largely President Obama's administration has been largely silent on the matter, regardless of federal officials in those states wondering how to move forward. According to federal law, pot is still a controlled substance, which is of course in stark contrast to the newly passed state legislation. If the federal government continue, continues to look the other way, these states could see plentiful tax revenues from the legal sale of recreational pot. The Colorado General Attorney Attorney General says he is hopeful that the National Justice Department will make some definitive moves to allow the legislation and sale of marijuana to move forward. James Holmes, who is the suspect in the Aurora, Colorado theater massacre, has been hospitalized after sources say he rammed his head against his jail cell wall. The hospital trip forced a judge to postpone an important preliminary hearing in the case that will examine the circumstances surrounding the detailed journal that Holmes sent to a psychiatrist just before the attack and how that information was leaked to the media. Holmes is facing 166 counts of murder and attempted murder for the rampage, which killed 12 people and wounded 58 more. The U.S. Postal Service is reporting a nearly $16 billion loss for the fiscal year, which is more than triple their losses last year. The mail service relies on the sale of stamps and other services for revenue rather than taxpayer dollars. The huge losses are mostly due to massive payments that the agency could not afford to make. Postmaster General Patrick Donahue says that the current revenue problems are so severe that the USPS cannot return to profitability without a legislative overhaul of the entire business model. The biggest hits to the post office budget this year were a congressionally ordered payment of $11 billion to fund future retiree benefits, which was defaulted on, and the agency hitting its debt ceiling. Defense Secretary Leon Panetta is calling for a review of ethics training in the wake of multiple scandals regarding top U.S. officials. The latest scandal surrounding General David Petraeus sparked Panetta's remarks in which he warned that continued lapses in judgment have the potential to erode the public's confidence in top officials' ability to lead. Petraeus is not the only high-ranking official who has been discovered in unethical conduct. Lesser-known U.S. military leaders have also come under scrutiny recently. One general was demoted by Panetta for wasting taxpayer money, and another is currently facing accusations for coercing subordinates into inappropriate relationships. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we have a special guest. Uh, if you've ever watched BYU TV, you've seen the man, the myth, the legend. Stan Ellsworth is the big, burly, I don't know what we call you, Stan. Just good, Stan. Good-looking, post-NFL, <laughs> 6'2", 300-pound history teacher. Well, there you go. You got it all. And he's, the, he's the host of American Ride. And I'm the host of American Ride. Do you? What more fun do you want to have? Well, I want you to make history fun because I never got – I love the stories. I love stories. And I think that's what you do really well is the stories. But how on earth did this football player turn historian, turn – you know I, – I, and by the way, and we're also – I want to get into some of the stories because I've heard the impact you're having on kids as you go out. Well, and I think that's probably your soft spot. Well, Matt, thank you. Number one, thanks for having me on. You bet. Thanks for pubbing the show a little bit. <laughs> you bet. You know, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, you, and you're good at it. Well, thanks. Do you, I appreciate do you, that. Do you love it? Well, you're, I, you're actually coming off two months of it. So it no, not... no. Hey, man, look, you know, when, when, you, when you hear the open to the show, that's sincere. I'm yeah. not, that's not yeah, that's written you. stuff. That's your heart. That, that's, yeah. I love this nation. Yeah. Okay, I believe in her destiny. I believe in her people. Sometimes we don't get things right, but right. we fix them. Yep. We fix them. And, you know, we got a lot of fixed right now. Well, you know, that's interesting because there is kind of a, a sense of, for half the country, hopelessness and for half hope. So you loving it and talking about that's probably very helpful. Well, if we can get more people active in the political process by sharing... Number one, the great stories of our heritage. Mm -hmm. Every American, doesn't matter where you came from. Our heritage. That's right. It's our heritage. I love that. So, you know, I don't care if you came over from Vietnam just recently or you, you know, came from uh, merry old England in 1620. Right. Or 1607. You're an American, you know, and everybody in between. If if that's what you have in your heart, because we're not just a geographical location. Yeah, America is much more about the heart and mind. It's the freedom of spirit, the freedom of conscience. Do you think we're losing those stories? Absolutely. I mean, it seems like they're not being told the same way. Like you tell them with a lot of uh, like reverence, almost. You tell them, in fact, with reverence. And I think we're losing that reverence a little bit. I, I agree completely. I had the opportunity to teach high school for several years, and. Uh, Curriculum-wise, we're pretty much cutting out the early part of America. Are we really? Well, we, we say, you know, the only thing we can really fit in and do justice to is uh, from 1865 on. So we skip everything between uh, – we do colonization. Mm-hmm. And because of revisionist historians – that was revisionist historians. Yeah, I was like, what was that? Yeah, yeah those guys. <laughs> That's good. Um, you know, th- those fellows want to malign – Mm-hmm. the great men of the age of exploration and say, you know, all they were was was imperialist looking to conquer. Yeah, conquer and colonize and rape and pillage. And, you know, I'm not saying that some of that didn't go on, sure. but the spirit and the impetus behind that was not you know, that yeah, line of thought. Just, Christopher Columbus yeah. was, in fact, moved upon by the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Christopher Columbus did, in fact, have inspiration that moved him to do what he did. And some people say, well, he thought that he's going to Cathay, which is what they called China back then. Oh, really? You know, Columbus might not have known exactly what was out there, but he knew that he needed to go. Yeah. And, you know, when he came back to Spain 
and, and brought back, you know, the, the wealth untold, the, the new people, the, the great mystery, the great adventure. You know, and they, they made him the Admiral of the Ocean Sea. Hmm. And that wasn't just the King of Spain. That was, you know, the Pope, who yeah. at, at that time was the power behind On every Earth. throne yeah. in Europe. And, and Columbus said, whenever, whenever you go to sea, whenever you take up the flag of exploration, you go with the cross. Oh, interesting. That you will preach the gospel of our Lord to the people on the other side of this ocean. So, interesting. You know, so those are, and See, those but are, you know what? Nobody hears this. You don't hear that anymore. They don't, people don't want to think of George Washington as perhaps one of the greatest men oh, yeah. that has ever lived. And he is one yeah. of the greatest men that have ever lived. They want to denigrate him. Right. And, and I take great offense and umbrage. Look <laughs> it up. Another you know, I, 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 yeah. I do. I really I do. And, and, you know, from, again, faithful. I mean, like he had faith. He absolutely. Yeah. That's amazing. You no, know, no. He was. And, you know, uh, Washington was a Freemason, which is very different in his time than, yeah. you know, what it's become over the over the course of years. And, and Washington even wrote he spelled terribly. He was horrific at spelling. <laughs> but he, he wrote in his memoirs, you know, I am looking for the light of heaven, for oh, further man. knowledge to come from God the Father to his children. Washington had a very close relationship with yeah. the Lord. You'd almost, you, it seems like you'd have to, to do the things these men have done. Well, right? he's, he's the closest thing to a, to a prophet general we've had. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm sure that there's times that he may be rolling over in his grave. Yeah. But I think he still believes. He believes. But you really believe those are stories that need to be told. Absolutely. I don't, and I know there's a lot of people that would go, but you're speaking about religion. Yes, I'm speaking about religion. Divine providence is the author of our freedom, is the author of our nation. Now, you can interpret divine providence however you want. I say it's our Heavenly Father. Right. And, uh, you know, he has a purpose for this nation. And he expects the people to live up to the promise and the gift. And when we don't, okay, we got stuff to answer for. Oh, yeah. What do you think? It's funny because to see, to hear what you're saying, and to see it coming out of a biker, it's so cool. Well, you know, like it's it, cool, and and because nobody expects it, that. Like everyone would think you're just some pastor, but you're you're just not a pastor. You're a biker. Well, you're a football player. I, I think thanks. But you're. I mean, really, it's well, a powerful message. And, and Matt, here, here's the thing. I, I learned pretty early on in my, you know, in in my adult life that. When you have a 22-inch neck, people figure you got a 22 IQ. As I know well. that's true, though, and they're they're astounded yeah. when you know big words. It's it's almost like when you say a big word, you know what it means. You're all over it. You're good using it. You but then you laugh about it because you think we think you shouldn't say that. But honestly, we don't even know what you're talking about. No, I, and that it's I've learned powerful. as well. You're that there's smart. a lot of people who go, hey man, stop with the 25 cent words. But it's totally you true. Know, I will try to communicate monosyllabically. <laughs> You know, but no, it, it's it's a lot of fun. I think it's cool. I bet you blew away the huddle in the NFL. Oh, I, <laughs> like, they're like Stan. Would I've you, got kind would of you a big down voice. A bit? That's true. But no, I, I did you ever? Uh, that's cool. Did you ever like take stands like this in your locker room at college? I mean, were you this passionate about it? In I, college I've been and, passionate about America since as far back as I can remember. Now, you asked me before we went on air. Yeah. Um, you know how how did I fall in love with history? Right. This is. You know, I've told this story before, so it's not like we're 
This isn't new. No, we're, we're, we're not, we're not cutting new here. grass. But uh, maybe a lot of these folks are interested. Yeah, I haven't heard. They will. But see, when I was a little boy, we lived down south, back east. So yeah. a lot of my point of view is is very southern. Southern boy. It is very much. I'm a country boy. Yeah. And we lived right close to the Manassas battlefield. You know, in, in just outside of Manassas, right. Virginia, and. Frankly, I could get on my Schwinn back then. Didn't yeah, have a Yeah, I had a Schwinn. Totally. Yeah, I had my Schwinn Stingray. Yeah. And I I'd get on the on my bike and I'd ride over to the battlefield cuz back then you could. The, yeah, the roads open, are now, yeah. you know, there's a freeway that runs through there. But, you know, I used to ride the road right over to Henry House Hill. Some little kid out on a old battlefield. Yeah, and there's this huge statue on Henry House Hill of uh, General Thomas Stonewall Jackson. Cool. And it's it's heroic size. I mean, it's huge. He's the big guy. He's big. He looks like a god that's come right down from Mount Olympus. <laughs> to get it. You know, yeah, and his horse is just incredible. And I'd look up at that statue and I'd say, one day I'm going to be like that man. Really? Yeah, and so I went and I read everything I could about, about General Jackson and read everything I could about General Lee. Yeah. I read you know, everything I could about General Stewart. Read everything I could about General Sherman. Just you started to fill love. my mind with yeah. stuff. And, and, you know, yeah, I did. I, How I did. old were you when you were doing this? Oh, Seven, eight. You know that's messed up, right? How's that messed well, up? Well, you just know that nobody does that. I should have been that. playing with my no, yeah, you should have been beating people up. Or like we didn't have hot football. wheels when I was seven and eight. I know, but that's that's see, that's powerful. That's why you are where you are, though. You started young. Well, you know, but now a lot of this journey is kind of like a journey through my family's genealogy. Mm. And this is kind of funny, and and you know, we just filmed a segment in Missouri about the James Gang. Um, my father's family. You know, we all have a number of lines to yeah. whom we're related. And if we go living in the past, then we cease to live in the present. Right. But it's kind of funny when you realize, you know, where you come from because hearts of the children should turn to their fathers. Right. But you got to, you know, be working forward. And my daddy's family, they're, he is directly descended from Hiram Smith. Directly descended from Jedediah M. Grant. Who wow. was the first mayor of Salt Lake City? Yeah, led a wagon train over here. At so page this is 18. your grant. This is your dad. That's my daddy's family. That so they kind of yeah. had kind of an LDS extremely, historical extremely. roots. Extremely. My dad's a, a, a sealer at the uh, what they call it, the Corner Canyon Temple. I think everybody so calls temple. it the Draper. Yeah, hey, he's been a patriarch for years. When we stand together, people say y'all are related. Really? Isn't that? So funny. yes, we are. But now my mama's family is very, very southern, Missouri, Kentucky, Virginia. My mama's family is not descended from, but closely related to Robert E. Lee. Really? My mama is directly related to Zarelda Samuel, who, if you look in the book, that's a mama of Jesse and Frank. Oh my heavens! So there's times when when my mom will say jokingly to my dad, "We kicked y'all out of Missouri once. I'll do it again." <laughs> oh, scary! So you know, because <laughs> the Mormons my, were kicked out of Missouri. Right. Well, that's what you so say. You got, to him. you got this split personality. Uh-huh. You got bit. kind of a Mormon a side bit. and the, the against the Mormon they, you side. You know what? I don't know that they're against. But, yeah. You know, everybody finally, every knee has to bow, every tongue has to confess that, you know, it, it is you, what it is. But uh, it, it sure is fun. Because you know, oh, yeah. wherever we go, it's like, hey, yeah, I know this person. I've read about this person. Heck, my mom is related to that person. Every, yeah. Yeah. We're, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about General Sterling Price. Oh, yeah. He's my mama's cousin. Well, that's what's different about you, too, because uh-huh. you know your you know your history. I mean, not just your American history. You you tie this all to personal family history as well. Oh, yeah. That's where it, it kind of excites you, too. 
oh, to know it, that it you does. are related to these people. Well, we're doing Ethan Allen up at, at Fort Ticonderoga. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, he's my boy. You know him. Yeah, that's he's right. In, he's, he's in your family. He is. He is my family. That's that's, that's cool. exactly right. You know? Is that what led you to go to? You studied too. You went to. No, I studied. Yes, you I got a. Studied. You got what degrees did you get? You I, got. I've got a history, degree in history and psychology. psychology. Which did you prefer? Um, history. Did you? Was that just natural? It was easy. Do you remember I mean, dates you know, what, what pretty do you say? easily? It's, no. Because I don't. Which, you know what, when you're talking about how boring can history yeah. class be? And, and again, it, it depends on your presentation. It always depends. There's no such thing as a bad student. No. Okay, there's bad teachers. Right. That, that you got to access You got to remember that what you're doing is influencing, influencing the lives of individuals. With what tool are you using? Are you using history today? Are you using football today? Because mm-hmm. football coaching is nothing but teaching. Exactly. Are you using mathematics? What are you using to help this individual become better because of the interaction with you? Yeah. Again, there's some kids that don't want an education. You can't give it right, no. one. Right. They got to want to take it. But largely, when you make the presentation, if all you do is tell them, in 1492, <laughs> Columbus sailed the ocean below, you're going to lose them. Get your books yeah, out. Yeah, that's right. Please watch the film strip and fill out the questionnaire. You lost them. Uh, you don't have any just passion lost for this. Me right there. That's right. Well, you must have tenure because you're a waste of time. <laughs> That's true. You know, and and so to me, history isn't a course. It's not a you know, a, 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 no. a curriculum. Mm-mm. It's part of living. It's, it's a part passion. of life. But it's really maybe you're less of a historian and you're just a teacher, and you have a passion around the stories. You're a teacher. I see. We're, we're gonna we're gonna come back because I want to talk to you about you teaching. I've seen you coach little league football. I've seen you in action on a field. <laughs> and what it, it's, yeah. what's great is you're just as you're almost you're just as abrupt in a way, but you're there's you, everyone knows you care, and that's I think why you reach. And then I want to come back too and talk about what because when you're on the road, I've heard stories about you in the middle of the South when you're out teaching in a little classroom and the kids you can finally reach these kids. Well, I'd love to talk about that because it's. Uh, I, I want to hear that side because to me, that's that's who you are, you big lug. Huh? <laughs> You're just a big teddy bear, aren't you? Okay, Stan Ellsworth. We're joined by Stan. Stan, American Rides, the show on BYU uh, BYU TV. What's the What's the number? The Do you know the numbers on BYU TV? Twenty one Comcast. I think Comcast. we're three seventy four on Dish and Direct. There you go. I'm glad you knew him. We'll be back with more from Stan Ellsworth, an American ride, our Harley Dryden, Harley Ryden historian, right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM one forty three BYU Radio. The big noise in sonic boom research is called Whisper. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. While travelers enjoyed the Mach 2 Concorde Airliner's transatlantic speed for almost 30 years, the era of the supersonic commercial airliner never really took off in the USA, in great part because of fears of damage and disruption from sonic booms. Now the Concorde is retired, and nobody flies that fast anymore commercially. But could we do it again? Without the noise this time? That's why NASA's Dryden and Langley Flight Research Centers have conducted an extensive study called the Waveforms and Sonic Boom Perception and Response Survey, short name, WHISPER. Working with a community near Edwards Air Force Base, study participants used a cell phone app and website to report any time they heard a boom and how strong it was. Test pilots flew precise courses, measured by scientific instruments on the ground, 
and all this data was correlated to build a profile of what kind of flight pattern makes the least objectionable amount of noise. The Whisper Project will soon release findings to government and industry planners showing how planes might be flown at mock-busting speeds without disturbing folks on the ground. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. BYU Radio is your home for Cougar sports. And after each weekend's action, don't miss True Blue. Each week, join hosts Dave McCann and the entire True Blue team as they bring you highlights, analysis, and interviews from all the major BYU sports. New episodes air every Monday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time with repeats Tuesdays at 12.30 p.m. and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Here on the home of Cougar Sports, Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Um, we are talking uh, with uh, Stan Ellsworth, who really is—he's just a stud. Have anyone ever told? And let, you know what? Let's just get real. Stacy, your wife, do you have any idea how lucky you are? Yeah, I, I do realize that she's, she is the most special woman. You know, she is a beautiful girl. Yeah, but, but she the, just the real magic is her. Her heart and her spirit totally. and you can are tell. so much more beautiful. Yep, She's sitting two feet away from you, making sure you get a drink, <laughs> totally taking care of you. Probably correct. Don't say that. Say that. I don't it's know if she's doing that. But kicking she's... me under the table. Oh, she's great. Uh, before we move on, though, Stan, I want to have you listen to this. We're, we're going to do a little story. Um, too often we had a history teacher or two in school who did a poor job, and they made us think U.S. history is boring. Maybe that's because they skipped the small, interesting stories. If you think the United States is so politically divided and polarized now, it's, it's the worst it's ever been. Well, you just don't know Kansas. 1850s Kansas. It was the decade right before the Civil War. Slavery was a red-hot issue. And the United States was prepared to let the Kansas Territory join as the 34th state. And Congress left it up to the voters of Kansas to decide if they wanted to be a slave state or a free state. Unfortunately, the issue was so contentious, it basically turned into a mini-civil war inside Kansas. They called it Bloody Kansas. A senator from Massachusetts was reading the headlines, and he just couldn't bear to watch this. Charles Sumner, he stood on the Senate floor, and he just really tore into slaveholders. And the South in general, he said, Not in any common lust for power did this uncommon tragedy have its origin. It is the rape of a virgin territory compelling it to the hateful embrace of slavery. And it may be clearly traced to a depraved desire for a new slave state. That there's just one tiny excerpt from the speech. Sumner's words really tore into South Carolina Senator Andrew Butler. And this too really upset Butler's nephew, Congressman Preston Brooks. Brooks would sit there reading the speech over and over, and each time it made him more and more furious. Finally, he was so mad, he grabbed his cane and marched right into the Senate chambers. That's where Senator Sumner was sitting pretty much alone, writing at his desk. Brooks looked Sumner in the eye and said angrily, Mr. Sumner, I've read your speech twice over carefully. 
It's a libel of South Carolina and on Mr. Butler, who is a relative of mine. Then Brooks grabbed his cane and started beating Sumner on the head. Well, where was he going to go? Sumner was pretty much trapped under his desk. But Brooks wouldn't stop. He just kept beating him senselessly. Sumner finally had to lift the desk off the floor to try to escape. Other senators heard what was going on, so they rushed in to try to help him. But then a friend of Brooks whipped out a pistol and shouted, Let them be. Brooks kept beating Sumner until he collapsed onto the floor, unconscious. It took Senator Sumner years to recover. He never really did return to the Senate. Massachusetts re-elected him, feeling that his empty chair would stand as a reminder of the damage slavery was causing. This downright bizarre story typically isn't one that's told in American history. And as we turn on the TV now and see all the wacky current events going on, well, as weird as some of them are, it doesn't hold a candle to what's already happened in our nation's past. There you go. Love that's some music, cool history. Man. Do you like Love the music? The music. <laughs> and, yeah. and you can make it. I mean, but that's a cool story. I mean, I'm not cool, but it's that's history. No, it is. It's a very interesting story. That was story. a beatdown. And, and, and like you said, that was. That was a big smackdown, and that <laughs> teaches you two things. A, make sure you really want to cross the country, boy, before you do. <laughs> okay. B, uh, you see, we don't need firearms to come no, and you take don't. care you need of business. A cane? I, I use my fist if I can't get my hands <laughs> yeah. on nothing else. But, but part B of That's that cool. is that uh, the Constitution protects you from the government, doesn't protect you from an individual. Oh, so yeah, if, if you're going to cross and insult an individual, maybe you better clear it with him first. Oh, interesting. But when, when you go yeah. back to that whole story and you talk about, you know, because the idea there was that it was Kansas, Nebraska Act that President Franklin Pierce signed that actually created the idea of this. of uh, self-determination of the states. Uh-huh. Yeah. Can you figure yeah. you got to figure it out for, mm-hmm. y'all, you know, for yourself. Yeah. Or are you going to be free or slave? And then you know, all these people and people in Kansas and, and Missouri just don't care for one another. <laughs> it, and I think it exists to this day. Yeah. You know, when Mizzou plays yeah, you can KU see it. and Kansas State, yeah, there's that's a, anger. That's pretty intense yeah, it rivalry. Is. It is. Now, you get to travel all over, though. So you're seeing all of these states. We do. We, we get to tell travel. Me, uh, tell, okay, so you pull up in the truck in New York City. New York City. <laughs> That's a bad commercial. Yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah. oh, that's Pace Picandi. Um So when you pull up into this town, or where, where were you in New York City? Did you go to a school in New York City? Actually, when I was in New York City, we, I, I was there at that time uh, to do the uh, uh, Fox morning show over the weekend. Were you really? They were interested in, hey, American yeah. ride, it's patriotic. It's, right. You know, how much out there is, is this openly patriotic? Ain't much. Yeah. But we are. Yeah, totally. And so we got to be on, we, me and my tapeworm, we yeah. went out there. <laughs> we got on, uh, on, on the Fox morning show, and, you know, it was great time. They're fun people. Did, and people recognized you. People recognized me. We went to, afterward, we got to go to breakfast with these folks. Um, from from Fox, and uh-huh. we're sitting in the restaurant, and there's uh, several little girls, you know, yeah. that are sitting in the corner. They'd come up from down south for a dance competition. Oh no way! And, and two of these little girls are just in the corner going, and their 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 dance coach. Yeah, Did you call it a dance coach, instructor. Yeah, their dance yeah. instructor, whoever. Uh, she came over and said, um, "Could my girls meet you?" No way. Yeah, so there, there's these three little girls, one little one little white girl and yeah. two little African-American girls. And they they're just giggling. They're blushing. They're, <laughs> you're a star. They knew me. But you're a star teaching history. Well, I, you know. I'm, but I'm, that is huge. To me, I'm, I'm not. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just yeah. a guy trying to, 
You know, and so I don't I yeah. don't realize that. No, but you, I'm touched. You're making a difference. These girls are liking history enough to know they you. They are. And that's that's what that's the cool thing. Like that's is amazing. all of a sudden they're going, hey, American history is right. important. Totally. And that's what that's you know, makes goal. me excited. No, the thing the thing I loved about teaching in the classroom is when you teach a concept mm-hmm. and you watch the kids go, I get it. They get yeah, it. And their eyes light up. Yeah, just like you know, that. we talked about totally. working with the yeah. little league guys. Yeah, when totally. you teach them an idea and all of a sudden you know, the game slows down yeah. and the idea opens up and you see in their eyes. Yeah. Well, I've seen you. So I've, we were sitting there and I never put these two together, but we're sitting there and you came over, asked by a dad. Actually, I think you taught a lot of the teams that my kids go to. And they, they bring over Stan and Stan comes in, a big dude, ex-NFL player. But you would go, you would always like squat down right to their eye level and you'd teach them eye to eye. And you're not afraid to move them. Oops. And you're not afraid to push it, not push them, but like move them around and put them where you need to, to put them. And then you'd tell your stories and you'd, but you spent, I remember the entire night, you didn't have to, this wasn't your job. You didn't have kids on this team. You're volunteering because you just wanted to teach and you were on fire. I remember my kids like leaving thinking he's so cool. That guy is so cool. I sure fooled him, didn't I? <laughs> well, but honestly, if you can bring that passion, which is really kind of uh, part of the show is there's a human side to everything, right? And so right. history can teach us this passion, but it's also that you can do everything. You can be a football player and a historian and love kids and have a great family and six children and make life work. You don't have to, you're not determined to be what you we're supposed to be historically, well, you know. You know the, right. And, and that, again, you know, we talked just a minute about yeah. how, you know, America is a nation of destiny. And when you look back in history, the Renaissance mm-hmm. and the Reformation had to happen so that the Age of Enlightenment could come about. And the Age of Enlightenment is the father hmm. of our political and personal common sense. We had to, like, make that much progress to get enlightened so that we could then— be where we are today. Individual f- liberty, individual freedom, and the concept of self-government yeah. could not have come about without those steps having first been taken. That's huge. So, and and that that is the father. Those things are the father of American society. So, when you really start yeah. your study of American history, you got to go back to the Renaissance. You have to the Reformation, Age of Enlightenment. See, and remember to watch American Ride on Monday nights. We're coming at back. I need you to come. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna take a break. But when we come back, we're gonna have another about eighteen minutes with Stan. And I, this is what I want to know, Stan. I want to know two or three of your favorite heroes, people that this country would not be the same without these people. Three, like two or three of your favorites, okay? I bet you. Because to me, and here we are. We're about to celebrate Thanksgiving, and honestly, few people know what they're really. Few people know how grateful they should be for what we've got in this country. So I want you to prime us a little bit, All okay? Right. Deal. Talking to Stan Ellsworth, the host of American Ride, right here on BYU Television. You're listening to BYU Radio, right here with Matt Townsend on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. 
After causing the worst environmental disaster in U.S. history, the punishment for BP's 2012 Ghost Gulf Coast oil spill has finally been decided. $4.5 billion in fines and penalties. The company pled guilty to over 11 charges, including attempting to lie to Congress about the size of the spill. Two top BP employees are also facing manslaughter charges for the 11 men killed in the initial explosion. The previous largest corporate fine paid to the U.S. government was $1.3 billion from Pfizer for marketing fraud attempt related to a pain medication. Ireland's top officials say they are going to work to clarify the country's notoriously vague abortion laws after a woman seeking a termination of her pregnancy died while miscarrying. Women's rights activists worldwide have responded with outrage over the circumstances surrounding her death after multiple doctors refused to perform the operation. Ireland is largely Roman Catholic and has some of the world's most restrictive abortion laws. Pregnancy termination is essentially left up to doctors based on their own interpretation of the mother's health risks. In response to the woman's death, Ireland's deputy prime minister says that legal clarity needs to be brought to the issue, and that is what they are going to do. President Barack Obama is touring the damage caused by Hurricane Sandy and consoling the victims of those whose lives are still in turmoil. The president walked through the heavily devastated regions of Staten Island, meeting with people still trying to rebuild their lives. Sandy hit the U.S. over 17 days ago, causing billions in damages and killing over 120 people. This is the first trip the president has taken to New York since the storm, though he was able to visit portions of nearby New Jersey prior to the November 6th election. The overall estimated cost so far for the cleanup and repair after the storm has now reached over $50 billion. While many New Yorkers are still trying to get back to normal after the hurricane, Christie's Auction House is already back on top of their game. The famous venue for art auctions had its biggest ever sale of post-war and contemporary pieces, surpassing even high sales expectations. Total revenue added up to $412 million, featuring works by Franz Klein and Jeff Koons. However, the largest sale of the auction came from Andy Warhol's Statue of Liberty, which pulled in a staggering $43.8 million on its own. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, it's fun to take a break when Stan's around because uh, Stan Ellsworth, host of American Ride, he's got a million stories. and uh, He just won't shut up. No, but I love it because <laughs> I'm learning. I can't even get into the story he's telling me because they're so personal and private. Not really. Um, okay, Stan, here's what we want to do now that we're back. I want, we got about-ish 17, 18 minutes. But here's what I I really want to know. Who, to the core, do do we as Americans need to know? What are their stories? Why? And and just two or three that, you know, Thanksgiving's coming. Know who we've got to know. Well, I'll tell you, and I I mean this in all sincerity. Um, You need to be thankful for the Lord. Because this is this is his land. Yeah. Okay. He established it. 
he set it up to accomplish his will and his purposes. So you see it's you see there's like been a divine hand in the always, whole progress. Always, always. George Washington, who would yeah. be the second man on that list, uh, said that anyone who cannot see the hand of divine providence in these proceedings, meaning the foundation from 1774 right. through 1783, the revolution, mm-hmm. can't see the hand of divine providence in these proceedings is blind. Wow. Okay, so yeah. if, if you want to say it just happened, that's fine. But General Washington, who Tell is the, the father story. of our country, says you're an idiot. Yeah. So, you know, pull your head out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, okay, the snow story. Uh, when we did the the pilot episode yep. for American Ride, we did the story of Valley Forge, which is a deeply moving, very touching story. And, again, it centers on right. Washington's faith. Yeah. Uh, That's the prayer painting that you always see. It, it is. praying. It is. And there's, again, revisionist historians that will say, well, we don't know if he actually – we don't have it. It's like these guys are yeah. looking for an 8 by 10 colored right. glossy photograph yeah. of what happened in 1777. Yeah. yeah, that's right. We don't have it, so I'm right. sorry. You know, but blessed is yeah. he that hath not seen and yet believes. Mm. But but anyway, so we're doing Valley Forge. And uh, it was in February, and it was icy cold. <laughs> No snow. Were you questioning the whole show right then? Oh, heck no. <laughs> like, this I, is I, cold. I believe, baby. I believe. <laughs> you knew it was but, meant and, to And be. here is why. This is why I believe that, that there's greater minds and greater things at work as far as American ride goes and I think as far as you know the American nation goes than we understand. Right. Um, we were told we needed to reshoot that episode as part of season one. And the note came down from from the head office, and yeah. it would be great to have snow. We need snow, Stan. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not in charge of snow. Yeah, and you know my producer Jeff Miller is not in charge of snow. How do we and get snow? Well, well, we kind of looked at each other like, well, yeah, that sure would be nice. Yeah, it would be a lot of things. So when, when we're back there, when we can fit going back to Valley Forge to film this episode, it's in you know middle late October. Yeah, and in Pennsylvania, middle late October is a beautiful time of year when the leaves are just changing. And it's generally somewhere between 62 and 78 degrees. Not good snow weather. No, not good snow weather. So we're going, well, that one's kind of dead. The night we showed up to the hotel, and we're going to shoot the next day, that night we pull in and it started snowing. No way. We shot the entire next day. With snow. With snow. Valley Forge. In Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. It's snowing in Philadelphia in October. Yeah. It snowed that whole day. And when we left the following day, Done. the snow stopped. See, so it, it believe me, it, no, it, it's cool. not me. No, that's but meaningful. The, the, the story yeah. that was told there is important. Yeah, and it had to. You had to have the snow. I mean, you had to have that cold. You don't understand feeling. Valley Forge. Right. It's like going on a pioneer trek in no, July. Exactly. Yeah, you're you, not going to understand. Yeah, you it. need to know. If you want to know what the Willie Martin through. Company went through, right. go to Wyoming. In January. Yeah, then you get it. Okay, but yeah, then you'll get a, 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 a glimpse. Hey, yeah. Nobody's fooled because yeah, no. after the three-day trek, I'm going to the Sev. Yeah, Everybody that's knows. right. You're going to go but, get you know, the, Yeah, cocoa. the thing is, that, that, that whole point that's right. is that without that snow, the story of Valley Forge would not have been as touching. Hmm. And when Washington was looking at you know these poor, starving men yeah. who were standing by their post, they were standing to their duty, they didn't have shoes, many of them. Their clothes were threadbare and ragged. Many didn't have coats. Very few had blankets. But they stayed. They believed in liberty. They believed in freedom. They wouldn't go. Washington knew that he didn't have a great opportunity to provide them with any better. Here we go. Okay, And that's when he went 
and and fell before Providence. That's he knelt neat. down, and he, when he says Providence, what he means is his heavenly Father. Yeah, he, went, he just was not making that public mm-hmm. because he believed that saying it too often was profaning the name of deity. That's why he uses the term Providence out of respect and reverence and deference to his heavenly Father. Excellent. See, if you understand yeah. Washington, then you have no question. Yeah. There's there's nowhere to hide about Washington's faith. Yeah, he had it. But you know, and and nobody knows exactly where that prayer is. Occurred. He your number one favorite? As, a, as far as mortal men go, yes, that's neat. Absolutely, that's great. George Washington is the father of this nation. He is the best example. Of, of integrity and honesty, even King George at the end of the of the Revolutionary War, okay, in 1783, Washington sat at the head of a powerful army that could have ridden into Philadelphia and told the Congress, "You guys are defunct. We are now the operative government." Yeah, right. Washington rode into Philadelphia and humbly returned to Congress the power that Congress had given him. He would not take up the mantle of right. king. Then in in 17. I think it was 1797, or was it? Yes, it was after the 96 election. So in yeah, 1797, yeah. when Washington could have said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the— I'll be the president. You know, I'll, I'll run again in yeah. 96. I'll be, I'll be king. Yeah. Washington did not. He would not. Walked away. He walked away, and King George said, that is the man of the age. Didn't he walk—he walked away and just kind of—he went away. Like he, 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 he went kinda, back to he Mount just, Vernon. He just disappeared away. He didn't want to be out in the way. Well, no, he, he's the guy that actually gave Douglas MacArthur the idea, old soldiers never die. They just fade away. I love that. And I'm going to fade away See, now. See, we it's need my, those people. We need men of that integrity. Yeah, totally. We need men that want to live that example. And, and you know, even in, in one of our episodes, we say anyone who would aspire to the office of president, it's not about you. It's not about mm-hmm. your party. Washington warned the American people he about got that. parties. Yeah. It is divisive. It is wrong. Mm. Americans are the party. It's the only party that matters. People that have a different point of view about, you know, how to affect liberty. Right. Once you join a party, you're locked into a mindset that yeah. allows very little wiggle room. And I think we might be – we're seeing that. We're seeing we that are. in our elections. We're or just watching in, Washington's in how the prophecies are fulfilled. Give me some more people. Obviously, Thomas Jefferson. Talk about Thomas. Okay. Thomas bit. Jefferson, has, he's, he's actually not that colorful of a person. Yeah, he seemed, know, kinda, he seemed the, just like a smarty pants. That, well, you know, he's – Actually, a kind of a shy and retiring. Is that kid. what he He's is? He's a redhead with freckles. Oh, it looks like Skyboy. There you go. Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Represent. There Represent. You go, man. Hey, gingers have souls. Gingers have souls. Hundred percent. But but anyway. So and and at the uh, Second Continental Congress, you know Jefferson's sitting in the corner at the Virginia desk, yeah. normally reading a book. He, he's because Jefferson couldn't stop. His mind was reading. Six books at a time. Yeah. You know, he couldn't get enough knowledge right. in. The man could speak four languages and could read, you know, every dead language. Well, not every, but Latin, yeah. Greek, all those. Yeah. You know, he was, he, was a, he was an incredible scholar and, and ahead incredible of his intellect. Very much. And he was very schooled. Mm-hmm. The books he was reading was actually, were actually books about political theory. You know, he's not. He, no. He's not up there reading the adventures <laughs> of whoever. He, yeah. He's reading the political theory. Mm. Of the day, he's putting all of the knowledge of the Age of Enlightenment into his head, That's so that powerful. when he works yeah. on on whatever this Congress decides, he's prepared mm-hmm. to give the best he can give. Yeah. So there's that time when you know it, it, the uh, the vote on independence is uh-huh. called to the floor, and John Adams, who yeah. would probably be number four in the line, um, you know, John Adams says, 
you know, wait. You know, he's talking to Franklin, who's yeah. number five. Um, you got him. Yeah, yeah, he That's does. amazing. He, he says, we can't. We can't do this. They've made it so it has to be unanimous. It ain't going to be unanimous. What do we do? Yeah. And, and, and the two of them together come up with an idea we're going to put before the Congress. We need to have a declaration about why we want independence. So they bring that forward and they, they you know, motion and, and mm-hmm. Hancock recognizes them and, and, and it says we need a declaration stating why we should be free and independent states. And Hancock says, well, I think everybody here understands yeah, that. Yeah, hello. You know, we, We've been here forever. Yeah, we, we know <laughs> – and and so why do you think we need to do that? And neither Franklin nor Adams responded. No, they, they could they have, could, but, they didn't but the man that responded was Thomas Jefferson of Virginia when he rose and said, to put before the world our argument in terms so plain and compelling that they demand assent. Huge. And Okay. Okay, well, that's it. <laughs> Mr. Jefferson's right. Great idea. You know, and, 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 you know, and, and, I mean, in, in, the, uh, in the play, 1776, the musical, you know, they, they make the point that John Adams was obnoxious and disliked. And oh, John okay. Adams was a very driven individual. Okay, but it was the Adams boys and John Hancock that create the, the movement in Massachusetts oh, movement. that is the beginning of American independence. Huge. Now, there's some scholars that actually argue that men like Stead Bonnet and Edward Teach, Edward Teach is also known as Blackbeard, were people that were fighting, were attempting to achieve a degree of independence. Hmm. They, they weren't actually pirates. Remember, history is generally written right. by the victor. Okay, And <laughs> yep. once Edward Teach was killed in Pimlico Sound in North Carolina, he couldn't write his book. Right, no. Okay, so anyway, when, when they write the book, they say he was a pirate, a bloodthirsty cat. Blackbeard. Okay, yeah, but... He was actually campaigning and fighting against yeah. the British mercantile system. The enemy of your enemies, your friend. Well, kinda, I mean, it's well, kind of like, I mean, yeah, you needed what you needed. So it, it's, you know, we don't know when it actually began. Right. But the Adams boys and John Hancock are men that saw that the time of independence had come. Huge. And, you know, the, the Han, or Adams, John, yeah. Adams, not Sam. Is he three? Who's your third? Uh, I would say, well, first you got the Lord, then yeah. you got George Washington. Okay, there we go. Oh, then, then you got Thomas. Tom Jefferson, then, then you have John Adams, and then you got Ben Franklin. Okay, that's the cool. ubiquitous Ben Franklin. He's probably the only man that's received degrees from Harvard, Oxford, uh, and yeah. Cambridge. Well, it's because of electricity. Well, it, because of so many things. <laughs> the man. He, you know, he started a time management company here in Utah. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah, he was here before anybody. <laughs> Franklin Covey. Franklin, and he knew Covey. Yeah, he did. Yeah, right. Covey was old, so, apparently. Well, yeah, apparently older <laughs> than we thought. No, but but Ben Franklin's mind. Oh, it just didn't stop. Never did stopped. It? And you know, he he wasn't so much. He was an intelligent, brilliant scholar. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't a guy that lived in the ivory tower. No, he's a guy that lived in the field. Was he? What was he like? Was he cynical? Do you, did you have any idea? Like, how would you characterize him? I think that Ben fun? Franklin was fun. I think he was one. You know, this is the way they introduced Franklin. Yeah, when, let's when, hear it. So you'd come into the when a new member of Congress, and they'd say, you know, as you're getting introduced around to everybody. I'm sorry, I keep thumping the mic. It's okay. Um, you know, they'd say, uh, this is the the guy from Mr. Hopkins from Rhode Island is the oldest member of Congress, with the exception of Mr. Benjamin Franklin of Philadelphia. And this is Mr. Sam Rutledge of South Carolina. He's the youngest member of Congress, with the exception of Mr. Benjamin Franklin of Philadelphia. He was everything. Ben Franklin lived every day of his life. How neat. Okay, he was. He was, he was a and guy. And they liked him. He was apparently. trying to become 
a real human being. Mm -hmm. And to him, that meant, you know, I'm going to experiment with the ideas. Okay? It, it didn't mean he was going to be no. debauched. Right, right. Okay? It meant he was going to see and Test. find out about the world. He was going to experience good things and see how far the human spirit could achieve. You know, when, when, and Franklin was sometimes a deist, sometimes not. Mm -hmm. You know, it depended on how he, what, how he, he was, was thinking. The argument, right. Yeah, because he's still thinking it through. Sure. And he would say, I'm really pretty much undecided. I'm in and out. But, I don't you know, know. Yeah, and, and, and this is. Which is this, so human. That's human. No, it is. But this is the man that when the Congress, the, the Constitutional Convention convenes, he's talking to that Congress. He's the man that says before every session, we must start with prayer. Hmm. And one of the guys says, but Ben, you're a deist. You don't believe in ben, prayer. Ben, you don't even believe in prayer. And he said, now I'm old enough to He's where, hedging his bets. He, he's just saying, I'll find out the truth of all that later. Pretty quick. <laughs> you know, but right now, we need to pray. That's it brings powerful. us all together. It's, they really were a mix of people, weren't they? And they, we've kind of had, the, I guess, the benefit over time of making them whatever we wanted them to be. You know, they, they, they were just real people. There's too many people that try to bend them into their mold. Yeah. We have to accept them as who they are yeah. with their strengths right. and weaknesses. But what they absolutely were were the best minds on earth brought together at one spot at one time mm -hmm. to create an incredible opportunity for the children of God. And many people have followed that creation, that document, those ideas. I mean, this is huge. If you want to hear it, well, if we come back and if you'll give me the time, yeah. I'll tell you a story about Independence Hall. Really? Maybe oh, yeah. we can end on that. We could. Well, let's do. Let's take a break. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. Uh, now, Stan, we got to make sure at the very end that you tell us where to find your show on BYU Television. So be, remember that. But we'll be back. Uh, we're talking with Stan Ellsworth from American Ride on BYU Television right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. an extended warranty when your electronics can automatically repair themselves. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. When your consumer electronics break, it's a minor hassle to get them repaired or replaced. When a deep space probe develops a fault, the parts and labor costs for a service call are considerably higher. That's why NASA is interested in a new concept proposed by engineers at the University of Illinois for electronic circuitry that can repair itself when a wire breaks. Based on their earlier research of self-repairing polymer surfaces, the same team of scientists propose a layer of microscopic capsules bonded to the wiring of critical circuits and computer chips. If a wire breaks, the capsules near the damaged site break open and release a conductive liquid metal that fills in the gap, immediately restoring the flow of electricity to nearly 100%. Applications for this technology abound in aerospace and military systems, where reliability is paramount. But the same self-repairability will make future consumer products much more durable as well. And scientists are even looking at using self-healing conductors as insulators inside rechargeable batteries to extend their useful life and performance as well. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us.
Listen to New York Times number one best-selling authors Richard and Linda Iyer as they discuss the topic they've written 25 books about, parenting in the modern world. Listen to their tips on Iyer's on the Road, Mondays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking to Stan Ellsworth, the host of American Ride. Now, Stan, before we uh, get in, I want to hear your story, your final story. We're going to let you wrap up the show. But before we do, uh, American Wars is what we're talking about. Bryce uh, Tobin really likes history, but he's a little concerned with the ways in which we're learning history. And he has some thoughts that he would just love to share with us. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. Story time. Let's rewind the clocks about six years. There I am staring down the barrel of another dreadful year in the public school system. I'm looking through the catalog of classes thinking, which one of these will annoy me the least? Because let's face it, at this point in my life, I didn't need more reasons to give up. I was a teenager. I could have come up with plenty. But then I saw it. Among the -the run-of-the-mill classes, the also-rans and the usual suspects, there it was waiting for me. A lonely class listed all by itself in the electives category, being offered experimentally for the first time. It was called American Wars. Now, as a male, you had me at hello. I got to the class and it was every senior's dream. Not a lot of students, no textbook, 90% seniors. Teacher didn't care much. His wife had a lucrative career. He was only at school because he loved this stuff and wanted something to do all day. Talk about living the dream. So we jump into it. We start with the Seven Years' War talking about how England and France set the stage for the revolution. Then how Cornwallis screwed up big time by stopping for tea instead of stomping out the revolution. And then how the War of 1812 was pretty embarrassing and England used it as a way of getting back at us for the revolution. Then the Mexican-American War was our first real military success and that the Civil War was especially bad because a lot of the good generals in the South got their practice in the Mexican-American War. Then the awfulness of the Civil War happened. After that, we got pretty good at this whole war thing, and when the Spanish-American War broke out, we ran circles around Spain and took a whole bunch of their colonies. We managed to keep our noses clean for a few years, and even though we helped out in World War I, we were not a huge player like we want to believe. In fact, as far as most of the world cared, we were a rather second-rate country at that point in time. But the major countries had all worn themselves out in war, and we were still pretty fresh. As much as the others may not have liked it, we had played on the stage with the big boys, and we emerged with some clout. We had made it to the major leagues, and then once World War II was underway, we got our act together and we were a little more punctual than last time. But once again, let's not undermine the efforts of China, England, France, and the Soviet Union in this war. We certainly were not the only ones involved. But my favorite discussion we had in that class was what to do about Japan after the Battle of Okinawa. You see, Okinawa was a costly success, and it was nowhere as problematic as Japan was going to be. So what do we do? We're right on their doorstep, and they aren't going to give up just because we say they should. Soldiers and civilians had made that clear on Okinawa. Do we just wait and see what happens? It's not really ending the conflict, so that's not a particularly reliable solution. And unreliability is unattractive with so much at stake. We could invade the mainland, but even if everything went better than expected, we were looking at somewhere around 1 million casualties. And that was just for Americans. The Japanese estimates were a lot worse. For a third option, we got this nuclear bomb that might get Japan to change their mind. But at the same time, the Japanese were known for their stubbornness. Quite the ethical dilemma, right? It really got me thinking about things. 
And after that, it was really cool as a kid born after the Cold War to finally see and understand what everyone was talking about with the Russians. After World War II, we started fighting wars with each other through other countries for about 50 years. And finally, those conflicts had context in my brain. But when I really think about it, what's up with all the violence? Why wars? Well, think about it. What's more entertaining, diplomacy or an action scene? There just seems to be more appeal in violence. And in terms of history, wars are pretty convenient. They have definite beginnings and ends that are easy to work with. They're self-contained and they make the studying and analyzing easier compared to things like linguistic changes or racial tensions. But as cool as the concept of an American Wars class was, there was a lot of good knowledge in all of that, but did it really need to be framed with so much violence? Now, I don't want to downplay the fact that the violence happened, and we certainly gained nothing by ignoring it, but come on, there's got to be a better way. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Bryce Tobin, another rant from Bryce. Again, that's an interesting rant because he's kind of anti-violence there. And if you knew Bryce, you'd know he's really pro-violence. Well, I, I think that you know, you'll find that the guys that are probably the most ardent in their prayers for peace are the guys that are holding the weapons on the Lawyers, the line. Yeah. I think, totally. That's they why, they, they yeah. want that to go away more yeah. than anybody. They don't like being away from home. No. See, that's why I like your stories, because you you tell the war story, but you also you just tell the human story. There's always a human kind of spiritual component to your stories. You had another story you were going to wrap I up did. with. I did. I did. And uh, I, I'd love to talk to Bryce about his rant yeah. at some point. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Stacy and I went to a high school or a junior high school the other day. We were we do a presentation yeah. to the kids and. You know, tell them about American history, get them to say the Pledge of Allegiance together, try right. to get them a little teary. Um, never hurts. You know, halftime's a good thing. Totally. But but anyhow, at the end of it, the kids will ask me questions, and one of them asked, where was the Declaration of Independence signed? And I told them Independence Hall in Philadelphia. Another young person asked, where was the Declaration of Independence signed? And I repeated again. <laughs> you know, and then a third kid, several questions later, said, now, where was the Declaration of Independence signed? And I finally said, at the bottom. At the bottom, at the bottom. Right, right at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but, you know, the, the, the story is um, we had the opportunity to go to Independence Hall when we were filming our episode about uh, the Declaration of Independence. And mm. then again, when we were filming our story about the Constitution. That's got to be like a sacred it is. place. It is. And, you know, there's, there's – uh, uh, when you walk into what's called the assembly room, where they have the furniture from the Constitutional mm. Convention, uh, there's a banister between where the people can walk, can walk and, in and then hold and you where back. Where the furniture mm-hmm. is, yeah, they let they let me um. be on the inside of, of that barrier. And you know, there there's times in my life that I have very strongly felt the presence and the influence of, as General Washington says, divine providence. Right. When I stood in that room, you know, I, I, I know it. that that room remembers those men. And Isn't I know that, that often, I think, they gather there hmm. Just, so that we can remember. And can keep feeling that spirit so that you can but most kind of, of testify all, of that. Most of all, and for every person of faith, they understand this. There's a time in your life okay, when, when you know and you have to accept, you know, the reality of, of the Lord. And when I was standing there in Independence Hall, I know for a fact that, he's there. that Jesus Christ stood in that room and directed the work of mm-hmm. those men. 
And there's a lot of people that'll say, well, that's just not appropriate for the public discussion. It is the public discussion. And feel in your heart. So just as you're listening to this, you can feel it. I can see it in your eyes. You know that. I do. I cannot deny it. Are you not lucky to know that or what? Blessed. I think blessed. Providence. Divine providence. There it is. It's the foundation of this nation. Well, Stan, I appreciate you because you're you're taking a dream, a passion, and you're you're changing people's lives with it. Well, thanks. Keep it, it up. It's sure fun to ride a Harley to work. Now that's what's so great. They can find you. Now tell us where they can find you on BYU. TV. You know, we're on every Monday night at seven thirty p.m. Mountain Time. That's nine thirty p.m. Eastern. Uh, Eastern. I think we're on it at five o'clock as well, uh-huh. Eastern Time, and. Apparently, it's not only family-friendly, but home evening appropriate. (laughs) So gather the kids around and watch the show. I think you're right. I think it would be a smart idea for anybody out there to bring their family together on Monday night, do this, and then learn the lessons, and then talk. Talk with your kids about the importance of our nation, about the importance of liberty and freedom. Keep keep the flame alive. It's what we owe to the founders and the generations that have gone before. That's right. And remember the source of it all. That's right. Stan Ellsworth, you did it, my friend. Six foot two, 300 pound stud. 300 pounds of fun, baby. Love you, man. You're great. Stacy, thank you, you too, for being here. Thanks for bringing him. We know he probably wouldn't have gotten here without you. He probably just would be in some other building right now (laughs) teaching some history class. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show. We will be back again Monday through Friday, 5 o'clock Eastern Time. Thanks for joining us. Take care of your loved ones. Remember who brings the blessings. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.